0: We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk Morning everyone, can you hear me okay? Lovely. Um, Okay, so this morning I am going to be talking about the topic of testimony. So just uh, as I said that word, I want you to kind of Imagine the picture that came into your head when I said that word, um, and imagine it's something like this. Is that what popped into your head? Sunday morning, someone telling a story, someone helping them to tell a story of something that, that God's done. Um, and that's kind of how we've done it here for many, many years, isn't it? That For me, that's, if I hear that word, that's what I think, that's what testimony is. Um, and a few months ago, I just kept, I, I felt God was saying, oh, I want you to look a bit deeper. Like, what what actually is testimony? Where where does it come from? Where do we see examples of it? And and what what's the point of it? And I thought that might help us to think about how we give testimony, because it's it's wonderful, isn't it, when someone comes and shares something that God has done and changed in their life, and it you know it fills us with life and hope and expectation that God's gonna. God's on the move, and we can access that. But we need to be really careful that we don't think, well, that's all. That's what it is. And actually, if I don't have a a story that's kind of tellable in this situation, then then I don't have anything to say. So I I started off kind of having having a read through some of the Gospels, kind of get an idea of what testimony was in the New Testament. And it's interesting because I was hoping to come up with like some top tips and some like this is this is how you do it. Here's some key kind of practical pointers, um, here's what not to do. Um, But as I started to read, I just got a real welling up of faith that actually God wants to do something even deeper than just help us tell good stories. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to... Where should I point it? Oh, no, okay. So I started um, having a look at where this word martyrio, which is a, I probably said that completely wrong, um, it's the Greek word that's used, that's mostly translated in a lot of our translations as testimony. Um, and it's really interestingly, um, it's scattered throughout the New Testament, but you see it most in John's Gospel. So it's used 31 times, I think. And in all the other books, it's used maybe once or twice. So it's, it's kind of clear that John had a bit of, or whoever wrote that book, had a bit of an agenda around what witness was about and why why it's so important. And he he kind of is drawing our attention to it over and over again in the stories that he tells. And often the the same stories that we see in the other gospels, but he specifically draws out the idea of bearing witness to who Jesus is. Um, So a, a translation would be a declaration of truth, bearing witness, To someone and it's it's interesting because we often think of truth as a bit of an abstract idea like um we we search for truth and we want to nail it down but as we see people bearing witness to jesus in the gospels in in the gospel of john it's very much a personal experience it's their subjective experience of having met with god it's not um it's not clinical it's not um, something that you could define in one sentence this is them saying this is my experience but th- but god says that is what truth is and interestingly we use that word testimony don't we in, in kind of legal terms now so when people when people say what they've seen in court they're giving testimony because there's that sense of seriousness about it. it's you know it's it's the truth as perceived by an individual and interestingly um, it's also the this martyrio is the same root word of the word martyr Um, which kind of gives us an idea about how testimony can be received and I know certainly when I share maybe things God has done for me I want it to be palatable to everyone I want everyone to to accept it and think it's good but actually throughout history we see that as people bear witness to Jesus people don't like it people die for it because actually it's a it's a shocking truth about who God is and what he wants to do in the world so that's just kind of a side to, to keep in your mind. Um, so um, John, um, sorry, Jamie spoke a little bit about the woman at the well last week I don't know if you remember about the testimony she gave and the impact that had on the people who heard it kind of stole half of my talk so I was a little bit irritated <laughs> but um, I, I think it's a really interesting story to, to start with and it's so famous that it's almost you can read through it and think oh yeah yeah I know this But actually, if you really look at the text and look at the interactions that are going on, it tells us a lot about testimony and and what it's for and why it's so important. Um, And I really love this story because there's no healing, there's no physical provision, there's there's no kind of physical thing that the woman gets, but what she gets is worth so much more than any of those things. She gets Jesus. She gets that well of life that springs up inside of her. And what strikes me about the story is that as he says those words, you see that, that, um, that living water, you see it springing out on the pages as you read on in the story, and it just bursts forth from her. Um, and there's something so compelling and so challenging about that, um, which I'll, I'll come on to talk about. So I'm going to read the, the story to you. It's quite long, but I think it's really important to hear it all the way through. So in John 4, I'm going to start at verse 4. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. "'How can you ask me for a drink? "'For Jews do not associate with Samaritans.' Jesus answered her, "'If you knew the gift of God and who it is "'that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, "'and he would have given you living water.' "'Sir,' the woman said, "'you've nothing to draw with and the well is deep. "'Where can you get this living water?' Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you live with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied believe me a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you Samaritans worship what you do not know we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and in truth For they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks God is spirit and his worshipers must worship the spirit worship in spirit and in truth The woman said I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming when he comes he will explain everything to us then Jesus declared I the one speaking to you am he just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman but no one asked him no one asked what do you want or why are you talking with her then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything I ever did could this be the Messiah They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I'm just going to skip forward to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So It's a story absolutely packed with kind of meaning, and um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating place to start. Um, And it, it really is not an activity for her testimony. It's an overflow of what's just happened to her, of that encounter with Jesus. So when she meets him, it's absolutely mind blowing for her. Like you can see as she's talking, him, she cannot get her head around what, she's ta- what, what he's talking about, but something is going on inside her that she, she can't contain. And there's a few things about it that, um, that really struck me. Sorry, I can't remember what I put in my PowerPoint. So right, here we go. Yeah. So the, the first thing that strikes me is how this encounter just completely eclipses her shame. So we meet her at the well and there's, there's various kind of commentators and um, people who study the Bible who, who talk about the fact that, that that's a kind of indication of her shame. You know, she's at the well at midday when no one else is there. Because she doesn't want to be meeting with people from the town because she's got this shame upon her she's living with someone who's not a husband she's had five husbands but when once she's met with jesus she goes and she shouts she says to the town this man told me everything about my life you have to come and meet him that everything about her life is her shame but it doesn't matter anymore it's going to be completely eclipsed it's not It's not a focus for her. It's not a place of having to dwell and try and hide. There's no hiding anymore. She just can say it out loud. In fact, it can be part of her, her kind of her story, her testimony, and that really. Sorry, um, let me just stop gesticulating. Um, (laughs) That really struck me that actually, so often when we when we give testimony, we we. We want to share the bits that are nice and i'm not suggesting that we you know all bear our deepest shame on a sunday morning but actually what jesus does should be eclipsing that shame it should be almost irrelevant um so this this whole scenario it grabs people's attention it it, it shocked her neighbors like it, you know, they, they want to know what's happened. And one thing that really strikes me, if you if you kind of have a, a good read of that passage, is the number of questions in it. it. It creates a dialogue. So it's not just, here's the story, do as you will with it. Like, they're asking questions, she's asking questions. Like, nobody really knows what's going on, but there's a sense of something's happening here that we, we need to have a part of. Um, and we see this in other stories throughout Throughout John's gospel. And another one to kind of think about is the story of um, where Jesus heals a blind man in John 9. Um, And it it generates this mega kind of conflict, but all these people are asking questions about who Jesus is. So, for example, um, the disciples start off in that story by asking Jesus, Who sinned, this man or his parents? Um, Then we have. kind of bystanders saying isn't so when jesus um, heals the blind man um people see him and recognize him and say oh isn't this the man who used to sit and beg how is he better Um, and when it comes before the the pharisees and they're discussing whether you know jesus should have healed on the sabbath and is he evil um, there's questions like how can a sinner perform such signs and i just find that really interesting it's not a it's not a static story there's there's people coming in from all sides asking different questions and that really challenged me to think about how we respond to testimony like there's sometimes i think a little bit of fear to to let those questions out when we hear someone share something that's amazing we might think okay i just have to clap and say well that's lovely but actually it's really important that we get inside those testimonies and ask the difficult questions about you know well then why has he healed that person and not healed me (laughs) Like we can bring these questions to Jesus, and I don't believe there's any question that He can't answer with His with His presence and with His goodness to us. We don't have to be afraid of our thoughts and responses as we hear testimony. We just have to bring it to God and say, God, this is how I'm feeling about it. Can you can you meet me in this question? Can you show me who you are in this? Um, and I think it's really interesting going back to the story of um, the Samaritan woman. His disciples, when they come back and they see he's speaking to the woman, it says that they had questions but they didn't ask. They kept it inside. We don't really know why that is, but I just find that interesting that they they missed out on that opportunity to find out. What was going on and then and then later in the text there when when they talk when they're talking about bread and he says i've got bread and they're like no you, how does he have bread again it says they said to each other can someone have brought him food so they're not bringing that question to jesus they're not asking him and he in his mercy tells them what's going on he says my food is to do the will of him who sent me and he explains that to them but it just makes me think about actually we we need to bring our questions to jesus because as we do that in all their messiness and kind of in in the that's an awkward question to ask I believe that he wants to meet us in that and he can reveal more of himself just like he did to this woman who didn't have a clue she says could this be the messiah she's not definite she's not for sure but there's something about what's happening in that town that it's just overflows um Jamie touched on this last week so What she says is unpolished. She hasn't had time to sit down and think. Okay, how am I going to present this? It just pops out of her. Um, And it's interesting. We have a we have a tendency to want to shape our stories, and I think we even do that unconsciously. Like when we're talking to different people, maybe you might tell different bits of a story, or you might swing it a certain way so that it suits them better. Um, For me, like my job at the moment is taking other people's stories and then making them like making the narrative fit at a certain point that we want to make and sometimes that works against what actually the really important thing that they want to say is and that can be quite challenging and, and I think we need to be aware of that tendency we have and think actually God you know what is it you you want me to share like what's actually going on here I don't have to polish this and it it you know it can be really helpful and we've, we've got some really skilled people who are good at helping you to draw the story out and 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 say the points that are really going to explain what's really happened and that's really important, but I don't think we should be held back by feeling like oh this is not. neat enough to share on a Sunday, or this is not neat enough to share with a friend or actually I want to this makes me look a bit bad so i'm going to keep that one inside. and and basically her testimony creates an invitation for the entire town to meet with Jesus and that's what testimony is I think in its essence, if if I was going to say in a sentence. If you asked me to define it, I would say testimony is an invitation to meet with him it's a it's got this kind of generosity about it testimony it's like a, a sharing isn't it it's a. An overflow of God's heart and grace in its expression and I think we really that, like it's just so perfectly demonstrated in the story of the Samaritan woman um, there's no framing she just gives an honest account of what her meeting with Jesus has been like and what's happened for her so I found this quite a challenging kind of thing to to study because for me i don't know the last time i met with jesus and i had to tell someone that i had that sense of oh my goodness like who's the first person i can tell i honestly can't remember but that's something i i want in my life again and i think that's a a challenge for all of us um we can think about um you know finding a good story but actually at the root of it is is meeting with jesus that the story is kind of the secondary thing in a way Um, and i I got a a bunch of flowers this week which is lovely and as i put them in a vase i was thinking about um you know about the kind of the purpose of a vase and how you put flowers on the table and they look lovely for a week maybe two if you're lucky and then they're dead and gone and you you forget them and and it was lovely for a time um but they're gone Um, and i think sometimes I certainly can think of testimony like that, like, okay, how can I present this thing for everyone to look at and put it on display so that everyone can see what Jesus is like? Because if I can arrange it just right, then it will look beautiful and people will see that and think, yes, Jesus is lovely. But God spoke to me, and there we go. And I felt like God was saying, actually, don't worry about putting flowers in a vase, <laughs> worry about the flowers growing on you. You are planted. You have access to this living water. So the story is a secondary thing, actually. Worry about seeking me, meeting with me, allowing me to overflow, allowing those blooms to show and to scent the air and to be, you know, continuously coming. And actually your testimony is that. It's not something put in a vase on the shelf for everyone to go, oh, oh that's nice. It's a, it's a living, you're a living being. Um, and we don't hear much about the woman after after she has this meeting with Jesus. But it's just, it's, it's a nice, th- it's a good thing to think about, isn't it? Like, what was her life like? How did it change? Like, I don't believe it was just she had a burst and then she went back to like everyday life and she started going to the, the well at noon again. And I think there was a lasting change because he didn't just give her a drink then. He gave her, a, he gave her that living water that... That was guaranteed to last for eternity, and that's what we've got access to. Um, so, as we think about testimony, like just keep that in your mind: it's, it's not about the story looking nice; it's about what's going on that's causing that to happen. It was interesting. Um, I think it was last week or the week before. Um, Richard asked this question of us: like he asked us to have a little chat in pairs. Um, he asked, "What has God's goodness been to you recently?" And it, for some reason, it really I found it really hard. And I was like, oh, I can't answer that question. I can't find the words. And I think if he'd have asked, be thankful for something, or, you know, what are you thanking God for? I would have been like, oh, I'm thanking him for, you know, various things that are happening in life. I'm thanking him for my health, for food. And, you know, we can all find things to thank God for. But this question kind of took me by surprise. And it made me think, actually, testimony isn't just kind of practicing thankfulness although I think they overlap and intertwine and that's I'm not trying to define one against the other but I think it's more than that it's it's, it's more than trying to find something it's it's that welling up of something that God is doing um, so I found that a really helpful and challenging question to think about um, sorry can't like the clicker <laughs> okay so what should my response be when i can't think of anything <laughs> when when i hear that question and i'm like i don't know should i be dredging around to find a story should i be thinking well i've got a good one from the past so if i just tell that one again that's cool because then i've got a story and I've, I've answered the question i think our response actually needs to be to come back to the source and ask jesus say god i need that living water i want to be overflowing i want my words to be popping out of my mouth in an uncontrollable way not not bound by um my limited experience of you it's about rewinding back to the source um and i I listened to a a podcast or a sermon by tim keller he's a um, american preacher um recently and he was talking about this passage and um one of the things he said, this is a quote from him, was this woman was experiencing a joy so she opened her mouth, that, that's all that happens here, you know, God meets her, there's that joy that's sparked inside her, that realization that she's meeting the Messiah, and she just opens her mouth and it's about not withholding that thing that God's doing in us and when you think of it like that it's so simple isn't it, it's so simple. And um what Lisa shared this morning about joy, I was like, yeah, actually, when we meet God and we have that joy, it, it does just come out. So I, I want that for myself, and I think I think there's lots of us here who would like that afresh. So yeah. Okay, who is my overflow reaching? So again, sometimes we can think, oh, we have to get up the front and share something with everyone but sometimes God gives us a particular story to share with an individual like just maybe there's stories you've got or experiences of Jesus that have changed your life that you've actually only ever shared with one person and that feels like a special gift for that person that you're giving them it's a it's an act of love and that's fine and something else I find really interesting and I again I don't have the answer to this question but sometimes Jesus told people not to share when he healed them he said don't go and tell anyone And i don't know what that's about there's lots of theories about you know him him needing to make sure he got his time and not getting in trouble with the authorities or you know there's all kinds of theories but it doesn't really tell us in the text why he did that but he said it to people and it just made me think actually we need to be responsive to him in terms of how we share and who we share and if there are sensitive things like responding to the spirit in that rather than thinking it's a good story so therefore is for everyone sometimes it won't be sometimes it will just be a gift for one or two people um, and the other other challenging question am i prepared to look bad in order to introduce jesus to others so we talked about how the samaritan woman's shame became the center of her story um, and i know in the past in testimonies when i've shared something there's been times I've been kind of tempted to put in a little excuse for my own behavior, or um, you know, like I I might be saying something that God's done and changing an attitude, and I might try and give a little like, the reason I thought like that was because of these things that happened to me, but actually I don't have to worry about looking bad because it's about glorifying Him, it's not about me looking okay. And another question kind of to do with that sense of shame is, am I fundamentally embarrassed of Jesus? Like, sometimes do I want to preserve my image because it makes me look a bit naff to start talking about him. And if I'm honest, that is true for me sometimes. And I I want that to change. Um, And God empowers us to not be ashamed of him. Um, So in in Timothy it says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. It's just a really powerful encouragement. Like We don't have to be ashamed. He's so good. If we believe he's so good, there's no shame in sharing who he is with our friends. Do I want to be the second hero in the story? What motivates me to share a testimony? And I think there's no room for pride. I think sometimes we can want to share and think, "Oh, actually, yeah, I did do pretty well on this," <laughs> you know, or, or sometimes someone else shares and you're like, "Oh, I have got a call out there. Thanks. I'm part of the story." <laughs> but actually, that's our human nature, isn't it? Wanting to self-promote. We shouldn't be wanting to sneak in our achievements or our great attitude, you know. My part of the story has to die so that he can he can be glorified. And John the Baptist said, as he's testifying to Jesus, I must become greater. I must be- uh, sorry, no, he must become greater. I must become less. And that's the, that's the kind of essence of testimony. It's not about us looking good. It's not about us being able to use it for anything else other than glorifying him. Um, <coughs> Okay, sorry, I've gone too far. <laughs> I can't use the clicker. Okay, ignore that. Um, yeah, I didn't really link up my PowerPoint in my notes, so it's a bit, a bit of guesswork. Um, so, yeah, so just holding those thoughts in your head. If you do ha- have something to share, don't be worried if it's messy or incomplete or you're not sure if it's, if it's going to be good to share on a Sunday morning or not. Like Those questions sometimes can hold us back But what I would say is bring it and see and let someone help you to to kind of decide if that's something that would be good to share. If God's breathing on it, he will use it. Like we don't have to worry about what he's going to do. Our small part is just responding to that thing that's happening inside of us. You don't have to stand at the front. You don't have to do it on your own. Like there are different methods and ways of doing it. But also it doesn't have to be for everyone. You know maybe god has a testimony that's just for your child it's just a special gift for you to give them to encourage them to seek god for themselves or maybe it's for your friend or for your mom like who's it for like it's really exciting i think so i don't know if any of this has kind of challenged you it certainly challenged me because it's made me think i really can't remember the last time i was so excited that i had to to share about jesus like i genuinely can't and that makes me sad like jesus god's done loads of stuff for me and i've shared them but that initial willing up when you first meet with jesus of oh my goodness this this is going to fundamentally change my life and i will never be the same i want that um and i was really challenged by this verse in revelation um so it's in in this um kind of dream revelation prophetic passage and he's talking to a specific church and he says and god says i know your deeds your hard work and your perseverance i know that you can't tolerate wicked people that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary all good all amazing stuff yet i hold this against you you have forsaken the love that you had at first is so important to god that we are in love with him that we have that encounter with him that that living water is what's driving us rather than maybe past experiences or or stuff that we know in our head that we can share so what we're going to do now is have um go back into worship have a little bit of time just to come before god i'm going to lead us in a kind of guided a, a reflection just going to say some words just to help you to kind of align your mind with thinking about this topic and then just come to him because I believe he wants to meet us he wants he wants that living water to overflow Jesus, thank you that you are here right now. Thank you that you want to meet with me. I'm just gonna let that sink in. You are closer than my breath. I open myself to you. Honestly, I tell you what's going on. I ask you the questions that seem scary to ask even though you know what they are already. There is no intimidation here. There's no need for fear. You will always love and accept me. I submit myself to you. There is nothing else that I can substitute from be, for, for being with you. There is nowhere else to turn for you have the words of life. Jesus, give me that living water, cause it to rise from buried springs, flow from unexpected places. May it leak out in my words this week, in my smile, in my silent prayer, and moments of shared joy. You are so good, you are love and humility, you are joy and conviction. You are surprising and contentious and you're everything the world needs right now. Jesus, thank you. You are the source of life. We need nothing else apart from you. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk.